everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and the 97.5 Network, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, we got a ton of sports to talk about, but before we even get to any of that, we got a big guest on the line we got to go to, right? Go for it. All right, I'll bring you on later, Jeff. I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to be joined by the man himself, Pat Croce. Pat, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Jason and Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Uh, oh, it's our pleasure. Joining us, it is absolutely our pleasure. I'll let Jeff take it away real fast. So, Pat, before we get to the stuff that you want to discuss, it is NFL Draft Week, and so you got to experience what it's like to be there and be part of a player recognizing their dreams and getting drafted. What was it like for you to be there and to see those reactions and how you were changing lives? Jeff, that was a memorable day. I was at the draft itself, the lottery. I was not at the draft when the player was, when Allen Iverson, our player, was picked with number one. I was watching it on TV, waiting for him to be delivered to Philadelphia for our press conference. But just to win the lottery in 1996 was an unbelievable experience. To know that we had the power to change a franchise with one selection, one, one unbelievable mighty might of a man who played outside his, his size, who played outside his determination and his courage. So I did watch his experience, and I did get calls prior to that, Jeff, from, from Reebok praying that I would pick him. And, but that was not why we picked him, obviously. We just thought Allen Iverson would be the best possible person on the planet to change the franchise and the, and the luck of our draw. Well, you changed the course of my childhood watching it, so thank you. Uh-huh. I, I enjoyed that for sure. And then all of a sudden you go from being an owner and then in the business world to retiring and going on your own journey for the last couple of years, sort of outside of the public view. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey you've been on and what's brought you back into the public light now? Oh, thank you. That's a, that's a deep question. And it happened six years ago. I happened, I wasn't planning on any spiritual quest. I wasn't a spiritual seeker. I had our businesses in Orlando and St. Augustine, our restaurants and museums and bars. And I was retiring at the end. I did retire at the end of 2014. I had just turned 60. But I happened to read an article on a travel magazine by a guy named Pico Iyer, who had since been on TED Talks on stillness. Now, why that would interest me, I have no idea. But he said this one line, guys, that really had an impact on me. Most of our life occurs in our head. Memory, imagination, speculation, interpretation. So if you want to change your life, you best begin by changing your mind. Right there, I thought, can you change your mind? I can change a body as a physical therapist, athletic trainer. I change bodies and work with bodies from Dr. J, Charles Barkley, Mike Schmidt, Bobby Clark. I mean, they were all playing with their bodies. But can you change a mind? I can change my opinion. And that made me delve into really, what is this mind all about? Because the nature of the world is only perceived by the nature of our mind. And so I went on this quest around the world, spent time in Bhutan and Maui and Thailand and Jerusalem and New York at the Omega Institute, just to go deeper and deeper into the realm of our true nature. 
And somehow something happened that had a crack in my head and the ego seeped out and you get to realize that everything I was searching for, all the happiness I was searching on the outside for in achievements, wins, objects, substances, states of mind, which were all transient, temporary, all come and go, were not necessary. You just had to go inward and bang. It's right there. Meditation helped, obviously. And I, I never even thought of meditating till that first day. And I went and looked at some other stuff. A, a guy named Andy Podacombe, who has a TED Talk on uh, just meditation on mindfulness. I didn't even know how to spell the word. And since that time, he has a great app, a meditation app called Headspace. And you may be familiar with it. But that's yeah. really what took me into it. That was the start. I just, I'm a curious person by nature. And I just fell into this. And again, I was retired. I just retired. So it was January 2015. And then for the next six years, I just went deep. What made you, what was the trigger for you? Because when people think of Pat Croce in this area, they think of this positive person who already is changing minds and changing lives. Mm -hmm. What made you want to go on this journey? Uh, that's a, you know, you're going deeper on me. It was ego at the time because I had pitched a book with a guy named Larry Platt to a man named David Black, a big time agent in New York in November of 2014, just about when I was turned 60. And he said, Pat, you've already written a bestseller. If you want to write another book, we don't need a motivational book. We need a transformational book like Tuesdays with Maury, written by Mitch Album, who's a friend of mine. You know, Mitch, probably from the Detroit Free Press. And I said, uh, oh, isn't it? He sold over 15 million copies. And I thought, transformational. I'm listening to him, but I'm thinking to myself, what? WTF? I'm like, I'm already healthy, wealthy, and happy, I thought. But it stuck with me. And so then when I saw that thing about changing your mind, you guys asked a good question. That really triggered me, but it was ego. It was commercial. Oh, wow, if I could figure this out, I could sell another book. But along the process, the ego kind of dissolved away and the book was irrelevant. This whole, this whole experience of just peace, love and happiness invading everything I do, everything I do, that you go into it, not looking for it, but sharing it as a purpose is just, it's a whole different perspective of life. And so you go on this journey for six years, you, you get yourself to a place where you find peace. COVID happens for the pandemic, and, and that's not what truly impacted your personal health. You get another diagnosis. Can you tell us about what happened in December? You're, a guy, you're good. You guys are good. So it was, again, probably around my birthday, November 2nd, I, I had this, and I've had squamous cells cut off me and basal cell carcinomas cut off. They're nothing. You know, they're not malignant. You know, I'm half Irish, half Italian. I say I'm a mixture of Gaelic and garlic. Well, the, the Gaelic part gets those little skin eruptions and you cut them off the dermatologist. But I had this, guys, I had this itch right on my sternum and it wouldn't go away. And I'm thinking, and my wife's gone, what is that? And she could see a rash to the right of it, the size of a half dollar. And I'm thinking, do I have poison ivy? Because I do a lot here at Meditation Hill, my personal retreat in the woods. I have almost three miles of paths that I hand make, I make for myself and for visitors, friends. And so I'm always in the woods working and enjoying nature. I thought, I never have my shirt off. How did I get this? And so 
I put some ointment on it and then it wouldn't go away. I called the dermatologist. She prescribes 2.5% steroidal cream. I do it for two and a half weeks, twice a day. I'm embarrassed to call her back because it's still there. So she's come in for a biopsy. I go in. Okay, she does a biopsy. Three weeks later, I get a phone call on a Friday morning. Pat, you have T-cell carcinoma. I said, I'm sorry, T-cell lymphoma. I said, do I have cancer? She said, yes. I said, okay, what do I do about it? Let's go. What do I do about it? Meet with an oncologist. And they do the surgery. They cut me across the chest. They take a big swath out. Then I go to a radiology oncologist so for the month of December radiation. I look like I, someone dropped a hot waffle iron on my chest. And so, you know, but that, it's gone. I mean, it's gone. I got a little funky blood work here and there, but that's no side effects, no consequences. Never stopped me from working out, doing my woodworking, train, training, working in the woods. But I did, guys, and this is what, and I, I just, I, I thought there's no reason, there's no reason that grace, God, Brahman, consciousness, whatever you want to call the divine says, now you're just going to have cancer. That'll be the end. Then you'll fix it. Nah, I took it as a calling. So in January, I called, I literally called the Northeast region of the American Cancer Society, introduced myself, a lady by the name of uh, Paula Green. She recognized my name. She's a sports fan. And I said, I just want to help. I'll be an ambassador. Just, I've been secluded on self-isolation for six years, but I want to come down off the mountain and I want to help. And so she said, let us get back to you. And guys, they had this program called HEALED, Health and Energy Through Active Living Every Day. It was research done with 85 patients in Atlanta, 2019, cancer patients with wonderful results. How activity, daily activity, benefited cognitive behavior, healing, everything, attitude, outlook, perspective, and blood pressure. But they tabled it because they didn't have the money for marketing, engagement, to get the second round, which would require 400 patients, various cancers. She came back. I said, I'm in. I said, what do you need? She said, 2.5 million. I said, I'll give you 10% of that, quarter million, and I'll raise the rest. Let's go. And so right now we're almost about 1.75 million. And we have the website that every one of your listeners, Jeff and Jason, can go to. And with $25, it's called. And what is it? A, what is that website? It's ACS for American Cancer Society, ACS Healed, H E A L E D.com, ACS Healed.com. And everyone who comes on for $25, whatever you want to put on, whatever you want to put on. You'll get this bracelet, this black lava bead bracelet that I'm wearing with, that has one green bead that we're all in this together. Whatever this is, guys, we're all in it together, regardless of race, creed, status, sex. It doesn't really matter. And you will automatically sign up that on Wednesday, starting this Wednesday, Cinco de Mayo, I will host at noon Eastern time a community gathering, a healed community gathering. For an hour, power hour, everyone who has the link, who has signed up. And my first guest is Michael Schmidt, Michael Jack Schmidt, with his, he's going to share his experience with melanoma. And I'll also have on the exercise physiologist, a Dr. Erica Reese Punia, who's doing the research down because our money raised is helping her do this second round of 400 patients in Atlanta 
at the American Cancer Society headquarters. She'll be on as well. And so we'll take questions. We'll, I mean, it's just going to be a way for us to be a giant community of cancer survivors, patients, caregivers, loved ones, friends. It will, people will get pinged with like, wow, I, I could try that or I could do this. It's, it's going to be something, I'm calling it a movement because it's not been done before. We're going to, I want to rock the world. Pat, we've been, we've been talking on the show a lot. We've been working with the coaches versus cancer and the American Cancer Society because there are so many athletes and people in the sports world that use their platform the way that you are using it. How important do you think it is to use the platform the way that you are? First, let me tell you, the purpose of the universe is happiness. And so we all strive for happiness, desire happiness in different ways. Everyone has a desire for happiness. At some point, and those athletes and coaches that you're talking about, at some point they recognize, instead of for happiness, how about from happiness? And the happiness they feel inside, they tend to want to share it. Instead of seek it for themselves, they're sharing it. So to answer your question, I think it's vitally important because people tend to listen to people who emit a high frequency vibration of sharing, of giving. And realize that peace and happiness that you see in that coach or in that player is not manufactured for television. This is the real deal. And you'll wonder why they're successful, because it transcends the success we see on the ice, on the field. You know, your, your attitude has always been infectious. And now as you're on this journey, it obviously takes on greater significance. But I saw you say about your diagnosis, diagnosis, I believe I was blessed with cancer, not cursed, and that pain is, inevit is inevitable, suffering is optionable, optional. I'm wondering, how much has it meant to you as somebody who's worked with some of the biggest names in sports and in the world, to be able to meet some of these cancer survivors and cancer patients, and know that what you're doing will help them and other people who haven't even been diagnosed yet? Wow, that's the grace, Jeff and Jason. That's really, well, that's really good because you see the courage and the stick-to-itiveness of pro athletes. And you're right, some of the greatest athletes I've had a chance to cross paths with. Then you see these cancer victims. There's a fellow, Yusmita Jr., who is 43, 11 years ago, diagnosed with brain cancer, given three to five years to live. It's 11 years now. It's 11 years. So you see the, the stick-to-itiveness to life, not just on the court or in the field or on the ice, but you see these people who are so courageous, so vigilant and diligent and sticking on a path. And that's what we want to share. We want to share their secrets. We want to share their means of nutrition and fitness and spirituality, and, you know, mind, body, spirit with a capital S. And, you know, it's a really cool opportunity. And we all share, look at, guys, it's not six degrees of separation from a cancer victim or survivor to us. It's not two degrees. I can almost guarantee it's either one degree or zero degrees. Now you know me, if you knew no one else, it's one degree. So we all have a power. And you had a great quote there. Was that Jeff who said that? Pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. That's 3,500 years old. A fat athlete known as Buddha said that. But remember, 
pain is inevitable. In this human condition, we're going to have back pain, anterior cruciate ligament sprains, neck strains, radiating pain, broken wrists. But suffering, now suffering, that's a choice. I'm not talking about the suffering and sorrow from the loss of a loved one. That comes from love. That's a manifestation of love. I'm talking about the suffering that is manifested from fear. Fear. And fear comes from leaving the now, the present moment, and being pulled into the past with memory comparison to what I used to be able to do or projecting into the future and what I can't do or what I'm afraid I won't be able to do or how long do I have to live or how painful will this treatment be? And it's really, this suffering can induce more psychological pain than the treatment plan itself. So that is really where I'm trying to make an impact. If I can go in there and eliminate or alleviate or shorten, decrease the amount of suffering that they generate within themselves and let them realize they have that choice by coming into the present moment, into the now, that presence, that powerful presence that they have, I mean, that's the ultimate grace. Well, the movement you are launching is the Health and Energy Through Active Living Every Day Healed Project. The people can learn more, www.acshealed.com. Pat, we can't thank you enough for the time. We wish you the best on this journey and look forward to following it and being a part of it with you. Jeff and Jason, thank you. Thank you for your time because I know it's not much sports we're talking about on sports radio, but it transcends sports. And I just think it's fabulous that you guys took the time. Thank you. We appreciate it. You have a great one, Pat. Jeff, it's it's not sports directly, but it's everybody, sports, life, they're touched by this. And what I, I told you, I'd watched some of the things and you know, they had partnered with 6ABC. If you want to see his 53-acre retreat, which is amazing, it's like Meditation Hill, I think it's called or something, uh, he seems to be in a great place recognizing the challenges that he had and taking it on like he has everything else. I joked that I first saw him and met him when he was doing physical therapy for a friend of mine on his knee when I was like 13 years old. And now here we are talking about his spiritual journey after drafting Allen Iverson. It was just a really interesting conversation with him. Can we have this kind of like positive, like discussion, like every Friday? Right. I felt like Like, I was at a Ted talk. Yeah. Well, (laughs) he is. I mean, if anybody should be doing a Ted talk, it's him. Right. I mean, this, it's not just the way he talks, the, the way he motivates, the way he inspires, but look at his own life. Look how many different things he's done. How many times he has reinventing it himself is the wrong word. How many times he's, he's evolved into something that's even greater than the thing he was before. I mean, it's really impressive to see that. It is. And, you know, it's fun. I wasn't sure you wanted to ask him about sports at the start and I wasn't sure whether he was there, but you could tell he really liked the special part of being a part of the draft lottery. And, you know, he doesn't live in the, the past at this point. He lives in the present, but he does have those exciting memories he still brings back to his present. And I think it was fun that you tapped into that one. Well, I mean, the fact, look, you hear his voice and it's like, it, it's only, it seems like only yesterday that it was 2001. It was 20 years ago. Think about that. It was 20 years ago since the last time the Sixers were in the finals. 20 years ago, two months from now, Allen Iverson yeah. stepped over Ty Lue. Yeah, now, now now he's busy doing marketing campaigns for gambling. But yeah, well, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll stay away from your, your gambling <laughs> upsetness. Jeff, why don't we go to some football talk? Here we go. Uh oh. 
I believe That's, the pick is, is that in. my new bedtime music. <laughs> that is your bedtime. Music. The pick <laughs> is in. Uh, look, I got to be honest. I'll I'll own it. I was very unsure of how he going in. I'll give him credit. I think he Come read on. the book. Okay, so here's the thing. I re- think he read the board right. Pitts and Waddle were gone by six. So he was never going to get those two picks. Sertain and Horn were off the board by the time he would have gotten a 12. So what did he do? He jumped the Giants and Dallas, and he got his pick that he wanted in Devontae Smith, who I think is a really good pick. You can debate what they needed, whether they needed quarterback, cornerback, or something else. But once those top two corners were gone, I didn't think they were going to go in that direction. So what they did, they traded a sixth round pick, uh, the sixth pick, which was the first, the 84th pick in in the the third round, and the 156th overall. And they got back Smith, a 2022 first round pick, and the fourth and uh, the fourth round pick this year. I know your eyes glaze over, but how he got an extra first and gave up a third. He didn't screw it up. How he got an extra first, didn't give up the third. Wow, how easily you have fallen back into not even remembering why they had to pick a wide receiver this year. They had to hold on. They had to pick a wide receiver this year because they screwed up royally by not taking Justin Jefferson last year. Absolutely. And then they would not have had to be in this situation. So congratulations. It took them two times to get it right. Which of us has complained about the Eagles draft picks last year more, you or me on this show? Not I'm right trying now. to acknowledge that Howie did something right. Okay. He well, helped look, to clean up a mess well, that he created. Okay. Does well, that make it's not, better? It's not just him. They have a whole staff of people that, that did, did things right to get to this point. If Howie wants to now take the credit for this, go ahead. But there's a whole team of people that 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 helped to i think get this right and screw the giants do, do you think they okay before we get to what they did to the giants and what dallas yeah. did do you think they got the pick right i don't know if they really needed or look they, the the you can't question the talent of the guy that they got the question is whether or not that's what they needed the most you know i, I still think look their defense is is horrible you know, like beyond the defensive line it's pretty bad and so, you know, I've never understood why they won't take a, a linebacker. Like Micah Parsons, to me, was the guy at that spot to take. He is a, a local guy who I think was really looking. If you looked at the way when he got drafted, that wasn't like a happy camper. I okay. think he was hoping that, that he was going to be playing in, in Philadelphia. Here's my question. Do we? I think he would have done well. Do we even know what type of defense the Eels are going to play to know what type of players fit in said defense? Do we have any concept of what this I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Micah Parsons will fit into any defense. He will. Uh, yeah. but I would have liked Well, except the Cowboys will screw it up. So I would have liked them to take a linebacker, but they haven't taken a linebacker since what Trotter? <laughs> like at this point, it just they don't take linebackers high. They've never, ever under this regime valued that position. The, the funniest thing I heard last night on I don't know which of the shows it was, was they said that the Eagles never take a take a linebacker high in the draft. And the response was it shows. <laughs> it does. It absolutely does show. And look, when you go into the second round and the later rounds, mm-hmm. you need a cornerback. You need a linebacker. You need some offensive line help to come in for your aging players that will be there. They may need the a tight end. 
I, I would think that you trade Zach Ertz for pennies on the dollar tonight. What leverage do they have at this point to trade him? Everybody knows that they want, they don't want to sign him to a long-term contract. They're at the draft. This is their only chance to get something. If they get a fifth round pick for him, I'll be surprised at this point. Or maybe they hold on to him for a year and see if things change, see if he ends up liking the offense and whether or not there's no urge. If you're saying, no, no, here's the art of negotiation. If you're only going to get pennies on the dollar, then why not just keep them and see if things change? I agree with that, but it seems like they believe Dallas Goddard is their guy. And it seems to be what they they seem to think right now. I'm, I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it. I would probably let him play it out and see how he plays. In today's offenses, having these two athletic tight ends that are not true tight ends that they can do, they can play inside and then play outside. Isn't that kind of where the game is going? Don't you need more than one tight end to do this? You also need linebackers to cover those tight ends, but we. But, you, but you're not going to get anything for Zach Ertz that's going to come on the field and is going to make a difference. You're just not. So so why not hold unless he's unless he's going to pull on Aaron Rodgers and everybody's going to fly out to him and he's just going to fold his arms and go, no, I'm going to go host a game show. Uh, I don't understand why you wouldn't try to make it work. The Ertz family is is like royalty in this area it's not just zacherts julia is here too i mean why would you not you think he wants to be here after how everything went down with carson i mean i asked that as an honest question you know what it would be it would be silly for me to speculate because i have no idea i don't know what their relationship was at the end i i mean you just don't carson wentz just says goofy things like and so i don't know how he left here who liked him who didn't like him but the fact of the matter is, if for most athletes, at the end of the day, is can I win and can I make money? And that's, and, I don't think it's him not wanting to be here. I think it's them not wanting to pay him what he thinks he's worth to be here. I think that's what it is. Well, and, maybe maybe they see how things go with with their their fancy quarterback, and and if it goes really well this year, then maybe Zach and, and Zach Ertz fits within that. Maybe then they do pay him. Remember, they also lose a big dead cap hit from one Carson Wentz after this year. So after the year. salary cap will probably go up next year. So, you know, who knows what it looks like? I, it just seems like from everything that's been talked about that uh, Ertz will be on the move. Uh, so, so hold on. So the, the oddest statement possibly ever stated in a draft happened last night. Uh oh, <laughs> they've said a lot of odd the things. Cow, the Cowboys trade their pick to the Eagles. Yeah, think that about was, that. Cow- they did that a couple years ago. That's when the yeah. Eagles drafted Dallas Goddard. Actually, uh-huh. frankly, I remember that. But it, it is jarring to um, hear when they make a trade with the Cowboys. Now, look, the Cowboys got a good player in Micah Parsons who will fill in for Sean Lee, who retired like the day before. Right. Wonder how much Dallas knew that he was going to make that decision before the draft or whether they asked him to give them their decision. Oh, they had to. They they had to know. Were the Giants the big loser out of all of this? Because No. no? In the short term? Okay, so you think they're the big loser because they didn't get the wide receiver that pe- some people are saying that they wanted. The fact is they traded down and fleeced the Bears. They got the Bears' first-round pick this year in return for theirs, and they got a first-round pick next year. And they got a wide receiver. So why in the world? How is this? Yes, they didn't get the ideal person that some people wanted. They got a pretty good wide receiver. And they got a first round pick out of it. 
How's that? How is how is that losing? Uh, Giants fans did not seem happy with the draft pick last night. Well, no, the Giants fans that you saw on social media, but that's all. That's the complainers. <laughs> I, I am I am not a Gettleman fan, but I, I'll tell you, this is not the one that he screwed up. You know that we love Keith Pompey on this show. His feed has been unbelievable. <laughs> His hate of the Cowboys is <laughs> on overdrive right now. It's rather entertaining. Other notable things that happened in the draft. Uh, I thought the most surprising best fit move that Bill Belichick could get was getting Mac Jones to fall to him without having to move anywhere. You want to talk I, about I, I don't think that's what he was hoping for. I think, I think once Justin Fields started dropping, I think that for some reason he thought he was going to fall that far. How about Chicago? And They've got Nick three quarterbacks. <laughs> They've got, <laughs> so let's meet their quarterbacks. They've got Nick Foles. Yeah. Andy Justin, Dalton. And Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton who signed there thinking he was going to be the starter. <sighs> they got to trade somebody, right? Like that's a lot of money to pay quarterbacks. I know there's, I think there's still going to be a lot of movement. I think the quarterback carousel is not anywhere done. I, I still think, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is to be believed. Okay. So for our listeners, if you weren't watching last night, reports, oh, came who doesn't know this? That Aaron saying anyway, wants out of green Bay that apparently his, representation has been talking with the Packers and they, he wants an extension. They don't want to give it to him. They clearly have his Arab Aaron and Jordan love there ready to take. No, 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 they, no, they don't clear. They do not clearly have his Arab Aaron. They have a guy who's going to go stand in the same spot as him, but he's not the Arab Aaron. Nobody knows anything about Jordan love their eyes, because if they believe Mm. that he wasn't the guy, then they would extend Rogers. And you know that. So that's the decision that they're making. They're saying that, are, we're going to hitch our wagon to love and not give Rodgers the extension. And it's to the point now where Rodgers apparently wants out. And, you know, who knows how close it was to moving. But what's the point in this? Like, if you're the Packers, what not the point eventually to win a Super Bowl? You have a quarterback there who rose, raised the game for a bunch of wide receivers, except for one, that everybody was saying was not enough. And Aaron Rodgers is able to do it. And then in the playoffs, they basically take the ball out of his hands. This is after they don't give him what they need. And then what they did last night made no sense whatsoever. And all I keep thinking is, if you think it's bad in Philadelphia, New York, or somewhere else, try being part of a team that has a coach that reports to a general manager, a general manager who who reports to a president, a president who reports to a small board, and a small board who reports to a bigger board. Yeah, it's not the best corporate structure. No, it's not exactly the way to make draft picks. Anything else noteworthy for you from night one of the draft? And do you watch nights two and day three of the draft now? You'll I be moving, know. but that may be different than your exactly. patterns. But would you have watched it? Like before? I I, I well, I, I need to watch. I don't think, I, here's why I don't need, think I need to, because, because the guy who is supposedly the mind of, of mock drafts and drafts got six right so all these mock drafts which i'm guilty of reading too you just sit there and you shake your head and here's the thing that bothers me and it's not him what bothers me is all these people who come on and and complain about the draft pick their team took when they know nothing about any of these people other than what they've heard from the people who pick six out of 30 i'll be very happy that the speculation will be done of who everybody will taking be taking I, I would be remiss if i go to break without asking you how you feel your fighting urban myers did 
uh, in the draft last night. Oh, can we just go to break? I, I do not want to discuss it. <laughs> we'll come back after this. <laughs> Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Women Heart is in a race. Jeff, I got a question. So we're back here and we're going to do a little Phillies talk before we get Chris Terrian in a little bit. We'll do some Sixers talk probably after that. That Ooh, Duck, duck. duck. We're going to talk Phillies, duck. It's not good, man. 12 and 13, somehow still tied for first place with the Braves. But on the bright side, my four-year-old is getting into watching baseball with me. So I'm excited as a dad. 12 and 13 is first place. Yes. Let that soak in. They, you, they you, you are almost 20% through the season. And first place in the NL East, which was supposed to be a really good division, is 12. The tied for 12 and 13. They haven't won back to back games since the third and fourth games of this season, Jeff. That's that will tell you how this team has played. They were five and one at the start, seven and 12 since. Uh, let's go through. I'm not going to well, try. Well, look at, look at it this way you're, you're basically 500 when you still haven't figured out your fourth and fifth starters. Yes, they um, did. Vinny V, man. They got him. Really? Really? Because we're, we're really lucky that we don't get charged anymore per text uh, because because they should raise the rates when Velasquez is pitching because they could make more money. Don't you like so, how I went break with Urban Meyer and came back with Vinny Velasquez? Velasquez? So, <laughs> so your goal is, I just, I, I told you that April's going, I feel like mutton. So your, your answer was, was to hit me over the head with a bag of it. I mean, I just want to make sure we finish the month strong for you, Jeff. That's all I'm trying to do here. All right. So we have a fourth and well, fifth some people I'm sure I'll be thrilled that you're doing uh, it, but go ahead. Cole Hamels. He's a name out there. What? He's a name out there. He's not signed with it. By team. who? By what? Who who's throwing Cole Hamill's name out there? Not signed with any team. If you wanted to, who go who, who? Look, I love Cole Hamill's. That, that's not the answer to your problems. I didn't say it was the answer. They should have solved the question before the season when they went in with Matt Moore and Chase Anderson. Like I'm just trying to find solutions for you now. And believe me, that's not even the biggest problem. Center field disaster. Now we've got Adubel Herrera up here, Mickey Moniak down. Has Adubel Herrera made contact with the ball yet? No, and and that's the funny thing because um, forget he, hits. Is he has he fouled the ball off yet? I was out of town for two days, so I didn't get the yeah. updated stats on this. But as of Tuesday night, when Adubel came oh. up, Philly center fielders were down to a 106 average with 30 strikeouts in 95 plate appearances this season. Like, why even send somebody up to the plate at that point? <laughs> Just <laughs> you kind of wonder whether or not they're going to move Maton to center field. I think Girardi has said that he will consider putting him out there. And Maton has been the young guy who has really played rather well right now. So just so we're clear, Odubel Herrera has been up 12 times and he has exactly zero hits. Zero. And um, our producer lets us know that the Phillies have a revised lineup tonight. No Real Muto, no Harper, who got... Oh, that's fine. He's, he's got a day off. What's the big deal? Uh, no DD, who's on the COVID list now. 
no Sigori yet who's still out. Uh, so the, it's, the one guy who wears a mask. It's a it's a it's a yeah, right on the field. Well, he's got kidney problems, so like yeah. he, he has to really worry about it. You you hope he's okay and was you know wonder what he was exposed to. But I mean that leads into the defensive issues that this team has had consistently. They don't have the same people in the field all the time. Well, hold on. One of the people who's had the the biggest defensive lapses, uh, besides Oduble the other night, is Didi Gregorius. He's yeah. had several balls that you know. I don't know how to put it. Yes, he's a major league baseball player, but those are plays that you might want to make. So let's leave that there and go to running the bases, Jeff. Uh, something that you taught kids. Uh, you, it's a bad idea to make an out when you have one of your really good hitters up at the plate, correct? Like you shouldn't get thrown out to end that inning, correct? Yeah. So like if if JT Real Muto was at the plate and you're Matt Joyce, yeah. you should get thrown out to end the inning. So then there can be a wild pitch that hits somebody in the next inning to end the game. That's not how this should go. Right, Jeff. Yeah. Well, I don't think Matt Joyce was expecting to be here. So um, we'll see how much longer here either. So we're even. you know, it, it, it is so infuriating to watch this 10th inning rule. It really is. I, 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 get to the there's never, there will never come a time that I, that I will say to you that, that this was a good idea. I, I, I don't get this at all. This is, it's, you know, you, you, you mentioned another in another sport that they're going to come up with an, a different overtime rule. I don't understand why they think over overtime is not the problem in sports. Not their sport. It's baseball. And if it's going on, no, but every sport thinks they need to solve the overtime problem. It's if you've gotten that far, most of those people aren't going anywhere. But what bothers you is the new rule in the pioneer baseball league which doesn't even put runners on in extra innings. They go to home run derby. That's what bothers you. It's baseball. Well, I, I told you I have a solution to this problem, that if they're going to, if they think that that's going to be entertaining, I think that they should pick a fan out and that fan should be the one throwing the pitches. Look, let's look at the bullpen and the closer. Okay. On the 20th of April, they blew a floor on four run lead and lost on the 21st. They blew a three run lead. They came back to win that on the 23rd. They blew a two run lead and lost on the 24th. They blew a four, three run lead. They have given up five pinch hit home runs in 2021. Jeff, it's still April. <laughs> well, well, the good news is this is the last day of it. So let, let's hope, let's hope May comes and it's hitting time, except for when the other team is at bat. God, I can't. Or, or and we, when I say hit in time, it, it's not hit the batter with the ball in the face. So Look, if we're going to talk hitting time. There are bright spots. JT's hitting three thirty three with a nine thirty seven OPS. Harper is playing great in home runs, which hasn't happened for a Philly since Chase Utley, I think, at some point. Harper's fire. Nick Mayton. So there are bright spots, but there are some glaring holes and issues with what's going on with this team. And they are brutally bad on the road. Uh -huh. they, you, you forgot Hoskins too. Well, I said he's leading the, ma the majors and homers. Oh, I didn't hear you when you were rambling on. Sorry, you messed up. Happens. You don't listen to me when we talk and do a show. Mm -hmm. So you kind of let me talk and then you see I stop. And yeah. start to talk again without actually hearing the words. Could though. you see the voice in my eyes as they rolled up? Follow Pat Croce's advice and be in the moment, Jeff. Be here with me. Help me help you. Oh, that's so sweet. This you want to talk a little bit of Sixers before we get to Flyers? Yeah. I think Actually, when I say a little bit, we got about one minute. I think we'll have Chris on in a minute and then we'll yeah. talk 
four Sixers after that. It's not a problem. 41 and 21 overall. Never mind. Chris is on the line. <laughs> we'll go back to basketball. Let's get right to some hockey talk. Thrilled to be joined by Flyers great himself, Chris Terrian. Chris, you getting ready for the hockey playoffs, even though the Flyers won't be in it this year? You know what, guys? I, that's a that's a really a good question. I, I you know what? I it's been a weird year, man, in terms of walking. And I think the Flyers, to be quite honest with you, have left such a bad taste in people's mouths around the area that I'm not even really forecasting what's going on yet with the Stanley Cup. It's been it's been a treacherous season for the Orange and Black. And uh, again, you know, there's not many places I don't go where someone doesn't say something to me about it publicly. Um, and you know what? Rightfully so. I mean, Philadelphia is a pretty is not pretty smart. It's a darn smart hockey town, uh, and sports town in general. And uh, you know, an effort the, from the one we've seen from the better part of the year has been truly disappointing. Well, considering last year they went into the playoffs as the number one seed, everybody was hopeful for this year. So I'm just going to ask you the loaded question: Where did things go wrong? I think there's a lot of things. You know, I mean, I. I you know, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a tough, tough evaluation period for the GM. It's a lot easier for me to do it now. Um, I think, first of all, uh, the goaltending had a, a down year. Um, am I going to blame everything that happened uh, to this team on Carter Hart or Brian Elliott? No, Elliott had a good start. Carter Hart had a very, ba- uh, very disappointing, a bad year. Uh, when you look back at it, those numbers, the numbers that he has, uh, hopefully it's an outlier. The defense um, that uh, you know, to be quite honest with you, you know, Philadelphia had been sold on the kids coming, the kids coming for, for years. And I was part of it, you know, down at the glass. Um, the problem is at the time is that everybody else's kids were already playing when a couple of our, you know, the so-called kids here or three or four of them were you know, not up yet. Uh, that's valuable development time. So I think a lot of things went south there. I don't know if they're as good as advertised. Um, and, and you have an aging core. That's the problem. You've, you've got guys that have uh, been quite comfortable financially. You know, they say it never plays a factor, but there's guys that have been playing in a lazy boy here uh, for quite a long time now. And I think when you don't have anything between that older core that's had, a very, that had good careers and a young group that is, you know, I think kind of lost a little bit, that makes for a very, very bad mix on a hockey team, and that's what you've seen this year. That's what I think it is. Shane Gossespierre, I believe at the morning skate today, said we realize obviously some changes are going to come. We're not stupid in that sense. What happens next to this team? Did they wait too long to trade their veterans that they won't have value, or do they need to have break it up now after giving it one more try and it just not working? It, it's not even one more try anymore, guys. It's been multiple years. I mean, if you go back, and again, I'm not, I mean, everyone seems like we're pointing the finger at Giroux. I'm not pointing the finger at, at Giroux. He's had a very, very, uh, an outstanding Philadelphia Flyer career. But as the captain of this team, um, and when you, and, and again, you know, you're judged and measured by your playoff successes in sports. You know, I mean, we never talk about Michael Jordan's regular season success, albeit there's tons of them. We talk about the great moments he's had in playoffs, uh, multiple ones. Lots of guys have in, in Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs, NFL, Tom Brady. Claude Giroux, as the captain of this team, has never gotten past, uh, you know, that top round, or the first round after they went to the finals in 2010 when he was a young guy still on another group, on another leadership's back. 
So, you know, those are the evaluations that take place. And whether he wants to believe it or not, that that's a harsh reality. You know, everybody, uh, you know, anybody that comes into the league, you know, you are um, – you're a math equation to the team. You know, that it didn't always used to be like that, but now you are. You know, you're, you're a statistic, you're a, uh, a salary cap hit, and, and you have to be maneuvered around by the general manager accordingly. And if you're wrong now, the way the, the NHL is set up right now, uh, you're going to be wrong for a decade, and your fan base is going to pay for it. So do we have the right leadership? Do we have the right general manager and the right coach to get us in the right direction? Well, the coach, you know, again, I don't know a lot about Chuck Fletcher. I really don't, guys. I was here for a year. I mean, he's not been very active. His one move, I mean, that he made last summer, uh, just based on what he's done, the only move he made was signing uh, Eric Gustafson, who was an utter disaster the entire year in Philadelphia. Um, You know, so and then he ended up being the first guy he got rid of. So, I mean, if you're going to mark a GM by the moves he makes and and the players he decides to keep, he did a nice job with a couple of contracts, getting Lawton in at a nice deal. But And and Alain Vigneault, um, you know, a highly respected guy. Both of them are. You know, both the guys are very well respected around the league. A.V., though, I mean, he's had two goalies that are Hall of Famers uh, in his career. When you have guys like that for, you know, 13, 14 years of your coaching experience, your record's going to look really good. There's no doubt about that. So the trick for a coach is when your team isn't as good, how do you make them better? And I think that he did last year. They made major strides. Uh, and I think now, you know, when you look at some of the guys that came off the roster from last year, uh, heavy defensive presence, uh, that guys that really, really paid the price for you. Um, Matt Niskanen was a horrible loss. Uh, he was a guy that stabilized everything. I think they've been waiting for Provorov to, to become – that number one guy, but I'm not sure he's ever going to be. You know, he's not a Desjardins. He's not a chemo team. And, and I played with Desjardins for a decade as my partner. Uh, there's something different about players like that, uh, like Desjardins or a team and Mark Howe type of player. So they've got their work to do, guys. And in a salary cap era uh, where they're locked into some pretty heavy deals, it's going to be a tough, tough thing to do. And, and I think right now when you're at a situation like the Flyers are where you're hoping – just hoping a big salary gets taken off the board uh, to Seattle in expansion this summer. Um, you know, that's not where you want to be uh, as an organization. And, and that's really the harsh reality that's facing this team right now. I don't know if people realize just how much the loss of Matt Niskanen would have meant. And I think that the defensive lapses, I mean, they gave up 41 power play goals this season in, since March in the first period, they've been outscored 46 to 19 in games. And, you know, you mentioned the struggles of Carter Hart. Jeff and I have talked for years on this show into, that until the Flyers solved their goaltending problem, they wouldn't figure out what they were doing. This season, struggles are an understatement. 9-11-5, 3.67 goals against 877 save percentage. Before the season, yeah. we saw stories he split from his goaltending coach. He just seemed unsteady last year or this year where last year he seemed more steady there what did you see out of him and do you have hope that it is that outlier that he can turn it around well that's what I'm hoping because I've seen a very very good goaltender but just on the surface alone right there as you mentioned guys those numbers if his name wasn't Carter Hart and it was you know Bill Smith he'd be in the East Coast League with numbers like that. You know, so there's room and wiggle time for this guy to, to get his game back. And you know what's funny? When you talk to to anybody, he's never had any type of episode like this in his career. Not junior, 
you know, not in the World Juniors. So this is a, uh, it's almost like a very, it, it, I, that's what I'm hoping, guys. I'm hoping it's an outlier. Uh, I think a lot of people are hoping it's an outlier, but those numbers right there, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's basement. That's the basement numbers right there. Uh, and those have to be fixed. You know, you can't, it's, 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 it's really difficult to win unless you have a stable goaltender uh, in this league. That's never changed over the history uh, and even, even the style of the game. The goaltending is the most key position. And if it's not up to snuff on a daily basis to be able to pick up for your team when it's not going good, you, fit, you could be facing a lot of trouble. And, th- and that's exactly what's happened. Defensive pieces this year missing, way too many goals against, almost a complete reversal of the good things that we saw last year that had this team, uh, you know, not necessarily, they were the number one seed. They were the number one seed because of that mini round robin. That was kind of a coin toss. So, uh, you know, but they ended up winning it. They still were the number one seed. So I understand the expectation part from the city, but it has been a total disappointment. And I'll be honest with you, I've never seen the fan base as frustrated and as upset as they've been this year. You know, Chris, in addition to, to your work, on the ice um, and being an inspiration for people on the ice. You've been doing a lot of stuff off the ice and gone through your own journey. We wanted to just give you the chance to talk about that a yeah. little bit. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, as you said, uh, Sam Carcitti had, uh, you know, I had uh, mentioned to him and uh, I've opened, first of all, I opened a recovery center for, for addiction and mental health. Uh, it's in Fishtown. It's called Limitless Recovery Center. And, uh, you know, as a recovered alcoholic myself that, uh, you know, has 10 plus years right now, I look at a lot of the gifts that sobriety has given me in the opportunities it's presented itself for me. So, you know, I had a young family at the time. I was at the end of my career. I'd gone through some really, really rough personal things, the loss of my sister in particular. Uh, and I knew that I had to, you know, to, to become a meaningful member of society post-hockey. I mean, I, I could, you can't live like that. So, uh, you know, luckily for me, I had enough uh, wherewithal within it to recognize it um, and, and tackle the problem with help from others as well. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. But, you know, after having done uh, broadcasting for 14 years following my, my career uh, and I was let go last year, you know, I knew that I wanted to do something. And I've always been a pro-action type of person. So uh, I always, you know, I felt that uh, going over the bridge, um and, uh, you know, letting people know, hey, I'm still here. I've been here a long time. I've, I appreciate them so much allowing me into their living rooms over the years. Uh, this was very much a give back on my end uh, to the city. And, and so far, guys, with Limitless, we've helped so many people, whether they've walked in, we've got people come off the streets, just walking in, introducing themselves, looking to get help. And that right there alone is exactly what I wanted to have happen. It could never have happened without the people in this city embracing it. And I'm, I'm truly forever be grateful for that. I really will be. And, uh, again, we're, 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 we're helping people one, one at a time. It's a very difficult time right now through the pandemic. But, uh, you know, alcohol, uh, you know, the sales of alcohol and alcoholism is like drugs have, have never been worse. Uh, and, I, and I see a lot of young people involved. And I see that and I hear the sad stories, the sad endings. It just breaks my heart. So I know I'm doing the right thing right now. This uh, will probably be my last stop in terms of, uh, you know, what I want to do with my Philadelphia career, but it's certainly the most meaningful and one that makes the most impact to me and uh, the people that care about me in the area. So it's been a, just a great, great venture. And, and if you guys, anybody does need help, I tell them all the time, Limitless Recovery Centers, we're located, we're on any social media uh, platform. Uh, you can get access to our webpage uh, there. And if you need help, we're, give us a call, you know, give us a, a chat on our uh, message box, whatever it is. Uh, we want, you know, we're here for you. We want to erase the stigma 
of addiction. Too many people think you're, you know, look at you as a loser for it. You're not a loser. You had something wrong with you. You have a chance to repair it. And that's what I want people to know. But, uh, you know, if I did this, guys, uh, and I really believe this, that uh, anybody can do it. And that's the message I want to get out to people. Well, hopefully we can have you back on again to talk more about it because normalizing mental health with athletes using their platform is definitely something that helps other people. So, Chris, we can't thank you enough for the time and the success on your journey that you're taking. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Guys, it was great being on with you. Thanks very much and have a great weekend. Jeff, it's uh, again, another athlete who then takes their platform and their own life experiences and, and pays it forward. It's just, those are the stories that you don't often hear or see in headlines. Yeah, it's Having these two guys are, are inspirational people have done so much off of their, off the court, off of the ice, but have contributed so much to Philadelphia on the court and, and on the ice. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, although I kept thinking as, as I'm listening to Chris, he's talking about Eric Desjardins. I'm sitting there going, boy, wouldn't that line have been look, looked really nice in front of Carter Hart? God. Well, you wonder how much better the goalies would have played if they just had defensive pairings that didn't turn the puck over like they did. The, to me, the big concern, though, is Carter Hart just had surgery. Is, is he going to come back and is that going to be an issue? We don't know. I mean, it, and Carter Hart wasn't just injured physically i mean my understanding is carter hart had a had a sports psychologist and and let him go before this season and is there a nexus is there any correlation between that letting him go and the way that he has responded we talked to lots lots of athletes about um the importance of their mind being right when it comes to being able to perform at the highest levels of sports and for somebody who is young going through all these changes at this time to make a change like that, it, it had to impact him. You can't say it's a direct correlation or causation of it, but there's definitely something that he played much different this year, whether it was injuries, whether it was the travel schedule, whether it was the defense, whether it was his own confidence, something wasn't right and they have to fix it. Jeff, we've got two minutes left. All right. So I got a question for you. Okay. So we, we've had this discussion before about whether blowouts are fun or not fun. I, I personally believe that, that, that blowouts are never overrated. I love a good blowout when my team's on the blowout side. I got to say that Sixers game the other day, not exciting. The Hawks game? Yeah. It, 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 I, I'm getting so frustrated by the fact that I haven't, I haven't seen more than two games this season where both teams had their starters. And, and um, it's just so frustrating. It, the NBA is going to have to figure out how to do something because look, you're the lawyer at some point are, are fans guaranteed to see a certain type of product with what no, they- you're not. No, you're not. Then the only thing you can do about it is not go. And that's not the answer. The, the, the fact is the way they did this schedule and squeezing in these 72 games in the middle of COVID has made this very difficult and they cannot let this happen again because it is not a good brand of basketball to have one, one team basically just not show up each night. You think they, I mean, they'll obviously try to go back to a fuller season next year. The Hawks were one of the best teams going over the last month, month and a half. And all of a sudden they just said, okay, we're just not playing three of our starters, including our, you know, our sharpshooter. That's okay. When some of our starters play, they don't show up. So So who's not going to show who's playing and who's not playing in this game. I don't know. I haven't seen it. 
that's going to be your last word tonight. Who's playing and who's not. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Who's getting picked. Make sure to join us next Friday night after the draft to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.